Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of... Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Awesome. And for those of you just tuning in, I apologize for that brief second of applause at the beginning. I hit the wrong button. But hey, <laughs> we're doing hey, it live, I'm, as they say. I, I'm fine with us being applauded. Like, it's you know. uh, like, yeah. it's going to be a brief noise of celebratory like applause and screaming and then the uh, theme song. But, awesome. We right. should also have, can we have it? You should just let it ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm joined as always by my co-host Thad and Kara. I'm an always co-host. I mean, you know, as long as no one looks in the back blog, they don't know. Oh. I mean, it's it's episode to episode here. <laughs> this is like a sitcom. It only matters what happens today. It would honestly be great if, from now on, no matter who's here, you just say, "I'm joined as always by." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. not gonna lie that would hurt <laughs> who follow along um on the fundamentals we will be starting a new project starting right now about dealing with movies and fascism and anti-fascism mm-hmm. and propaganda Woo-hoo. and we're gonna be doing this every other month simply because it's gonna be just to give us a break so we don't you know blow out yeah, look, we don't have to explain ourselves to you, all right? We're, <laughs> we're doing it. That's what we're doing. Right. We're anti-fascist and we're Americans, god damn it. <laughs> Which, sadly, is not one of the same thing. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I started off with three sort of easy films in terms of our propaganda. Mm. In terms of also, like, well, only one of the three, I would say, has any sort of, like... Um, Familiarity, familiarity with like modern films in terms of how the propaganda is staged. Yeah, I would say so. That makes sense. Uh, out of curiosity, before we get started, um, had you guys seen any of these movies before? Well, I mean, oh. I'd seen Cas- oh, I mean, I'd seen Casablanca, but right. that was the only one. The three films we're going to be looking at is Casablanca, This Land Is Mine, and Hangman Also Die! Exclamation point. Uh, I had seen Casablanca, which is a, a funny story because I actually saw it with my friend's parents while she was working. <laughs> I had not seen the other two, and I don't think I was aware they existed. I'm not sure if I've heard of uh, Hangman Also Die before. I feel like I may have, but I'm not sure. Well, what's interesting is that uh, Hangman Also Die and This Land Is Mine are made by much more famous directors than Casablanca. Yeah, like Casablanca <laughs> is sort of the underdog if you if you think about this time period. It really is. But um, it has Bogart. It has well, Bogart yeah, but, and Bergman. But like, like uh, you know, directed by like uh, This Land Is Mine is is directed by Jean Ren- uh, Renoir. It's it's got Charles Lofton and Maureen O'Hara. Like these are these are also names. They're just not names now. Yeah, no. At the time, Charles Lofton is sort of the um, he's kind of the Brando of his time in terms of how he basically yeah. re redesigned acting. Like he actually helped usher in the notion of acting on screen. As mm-hmm. opposed to just taking theater acting and doing it on screen. He was like, no, no, like, you have to tweak it a little bit more. Yeah, and, and I mean, Hangman Also Die is directed by Fritz Lang and written by Bertolt Brecht. Like, right. <laughs> Brecht that basically formed an entire theory of theater, and Fritz Lang is probably one of the most influential film directors ever to work. So it's, it is one of those things where it's, uh, it's interesting what... I mean, not not to dump on Casablanca, because it, it's, it's known because it is real good it is it is uh it's it's famous for a reason well, but he it is calls it is the movie yeah it, it is interesting to see um because these these movies all came out within a two-year span and it's it's interesting to see um i don't know the the different forms that what we're talking about today like well, sort of pro-war propaganda propaganda being a word that that has a a, a much like grimmer meaning now or, or, or generally, than, than kind of how we're using it today. Well, propaganda um, can go either way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's essentially just advertising for whatever. If right. it's if it's ideological advertising. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the uh, qualifier that matters. Right. It's just that uh, the Nazis became the most famous for their use of propaganda, and so they're what initially comes to mind typically right. when people talk about it. <laughs> well, okay, so. We, this is another thing we, we chose these three films not only because of the different forms of propaganda in terms mm. of like how straightforward they are about it, but mm. also because the fascism they're dealing with is Nazism. 
So again, yeah, it's an the, easier fascism. That's recognizable fascism for most people. Yeah, the, the the fascism that comes to mind when people think of fascism broadly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's it's okay. interesting though because they talk about like persecution of individual rights and and sometimes they take a, a few steps into like this is a about Jews, but that's usually as far as they go. Like, so these wanna... movies that are propagandist anti-Nazi are a way that movies today are not. They right. talk about Nazis in a very different way from the way anything made now would ever consider doing that. Well, that's yeah. also because, with the exception of Casablanca, these uh, two of them were made before Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the push to get in was not as massive as it was until after. And, and also, think... like the 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 awareness of like the persecution of Jews versus the actual Holocaust at this point is right. uh, yeah, yeah. And in, um, in fact. Uh, if I remember correctly, Casablanca is the only one to even use the word concentration camps. And he I uses it like two or three times. I think you're correct about that. I believe you're right. Because I remember sort of like, oh yeah, because I, I remember hearing in Casablanca, I didn't hear that in the other two. Yeah, well, because I mean, it's it's even part of the speech at the end. Right. Like, like him saying, like, most likely we'd end up in a concentration camp. Like, that is, that is there. Okay. Um, so... Real quick, um, This Land is Mine is directed by Gino Noir, who had fled Vichy France, <laughs> Nazi-occupied France. Yeah. And the Nazis had actually tried to burn and ban one of his earlier films, Rules of the Game, which is often considered to be one of the greatest movies ever made. Because mm-hmm. that movie was a satire of the 1% that, shall we say, voted for appeasement with the Nazis. Mm. What? Right. It's well, a good I shouldn't thing say that every... people, they, they are the ones who allowed the Nazis to occupy France. It's a good thing that literally everyone learns from history. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hangman Also Die is directed by Fritz Lang, who had recently arrived to America because uh, no less than Himmel himself had asked Lang to be the head of the new Reich propaganda to film department. <laughs> and because of Nazis, uh, you don't say no. So Lang said yes, and then ran away that night. <laughs> and then disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be seen or heard from again. Yeah, the, uh, hey, hey, will, will you be doing this for us? Uh, yup, see you tomorrow. <laughs> because if you say I gotta, no, I you don't get to run away and live another day. <laughs> right. Uh, it's important to know, everyone, it's perfectly fine to lie to fascists. <laughs> it really is. In fact, this language say it's almost better. Uh, and Bertolt yes. Brecht, um, as, you, um, as we just stated, was also a major influence in the theater world Absolutely. and also ran, to America, ran away to America. And this is the only movie he ever wrote. Yeah. Also a real good poet. I, I ran across a book of Bertolt Brecht poetry in a used bookstore the other day. Real good. Nice. All right. Uh, Kay, are you getting ready to say something? Uh, we haven't told anyone what these movies are about. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting to that in just a second. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, uh, riffing a little bit. Casablanca is a movie that everyone has a, probably at least heard of or seen or been mm. forced to watch. And it is of the three. Well, all three were made in the studio system, but Casablanca mm. is probably the most successful studio system movie. Mm. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But it, now, it honestly, it does strike me as the most. I don't have a better way to say this, but I think you'll know what I mean. I think it is the most movie movie out of the three. It is. Yeah. It's the one it's, where the message is smuggled in the most successfully. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's interesting because it's it, it's thought of as you know a, a great film, capital G, capital F, and I'm not saying it's not, but. Um, like in, seeing it in context with two other things from the period, like you really kind of get a feel for what that means. And I, I like the other two. Uh, I, I think Hangman Also Die was probably my favorite. Uh, and I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But, uh, but it's it's like seeing it right next to other movies dealing with the same thing from its period really shows you the slickness going on in Casablanca. Oh, hands yeah. down. Okay, and now our. Uh... Delegated explainer would like to tell you <laughs> the plots of the three movies. Kea, go ahead. All right. So Hangman Also Die takes place. Oh, I forget where it takes place. Oh, Czechoslovakia. Mm-hmm. What was Czechoslovakia? Because I don't think it's Czechoslovakia anymore, is it? It is not and has not been for a long time. Yes, yeah. but in the movie it is. 
Yes. In the movie, it's in Czechoslovakia, even though they all have um, very meaningful American accents. But <laughs> and it's, it has a, a lot of great scenes. But essentially, um, Nazis have taken over Czechoslovakia, and the head Nazi in charge is known as the Hangman, and he's just awful. And someone shoots him and flees. And a young girl buying groceries looks up and sees a man running away and directs the Nazis away from him, which begins a chain of events that end up involving her, her family, the nature of fascism, the nature of fear, uh, of giving in, of resistance, ultimately resulting in the entire nation, basically. A propos of no single thing deciding that they will not give in, they will not give up anybody who might be involved in the shooting, and they will, in fact, instead set up somebody else to take the fall who's actually a Nazi colluder. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like the the solution to it because uh, p- part of what Kara mentioned uh, is uh, a lot of the the core of the plot involves the German uh, occupiers taking a large group of hostages when they can't find the killer, mm-hmm. uh, including the 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 woman who who helped the the assassin, her father, and uh, part of how it's solved is this like essentially I would say spontaneous community solidarity against this guy who is a known collaborator who seemingly without necessarily talking to each other, uh, everyone that they talk to uh, helps set up so that he is shot as the assassin. Uh, And it's, uh, it is a ride. That movie has so many twists. It is spectacular. I will say also hangman also dies of the three. The only one based on an actual real event. Yes. This is the, the Czechs really did assassinate uh, Reinhard Heydrich. Who the, is Reich's the, only, protector. the Reich's protector, who was the only senior Nazi official ever to be assassinated during the Second World War. Yeah, my uh, my my uh, Czech ancestors are, are all uh, shaking their fists in victory. <laughs> awesome. All right, go ahead. Can I continue, Kevin? You can see it in Thad's beautiful cheekbones. Um, <laughs> it, uh, on a more personal level, it, the, the movie is really great because it has a bunch of Move switchbacks, move switchbacks, and it keeps setting people up because because initially the the girl when she the the man the the assassin uh, panics. Uh, Masha, by the way, Masha. Uh, so the assassin panics and shows up at Masha's house because he basically has nowhere else to go and he knows who she is, and she ends up taking him in. And then later on, when her father is one of the hostages randomly selected, she almost sells him out to the Nazis. And she's literally at she asks to go to Gestapo headquarters, and literally someone hears her say that they all yell at her like, "Why would you go to the Gestapo? Who are you? What are you to be doing this?" And she's at the headquarters and she realizes that she is screwed up. Yeah, well, the like line that. is literally, "What's a nice girl like you want with the Gestapo?" Yeah. Yeah. And like the it, the scene when she's actually in Gestapo like the the Gestapo headquarters like her realizing the mistakes she has made is one of the most tense scenes that I have ever sat through. It is amazing. <laughs> because she can't she can't leave. She realizes yeah. that she made this decision that they she was boxed into making this decision out of a out of panic and that not only will they not let her leave that going there has like deeper involved her family and that there, there's no way out essentially is she realizes that she has screwed them all but she had no choice like that you were always going to be a host no matter what you did right and so later on like we see her grow from this person who's sort of impulsively and cowardously in a, in a way went to the nazis to collude with them to somebody who d- blows up her own life is willing to literally destroy everything she cares about in order to screw the Nazis over. And so it's really great. All of the characters who are Czech with the exception of the colluder have really interesting, positive arcs and are kind of like good, sincere people. Hmm. Cause at one point she has a fiance and you're like, Oh, the fiance is going to be a tool, but no, he actually turns out to be a really cool dude. Yeah. And the, the Nazi who is sort of putting together the pieces of the conspiracy, even though he doesn't have all the pieces, he is, has an amazing haircut <laughs> and he's like this weird like 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 mohawk it's like, a, it's like a double wide mohawk <laughs> yeah it's interesting but he is incredibly clever and charming and terribly terribly malicious but in uh in a way that you would be like oh yeah i would go out for a beer with you you genocidal maniac and uh well, yeah i think it's a really good movie from, uh, yeah I, I i disagree because i wouldn't enjoy Kristoff's company <laughs> well okay for me it's a combination of him and the other nazi who runs the gestapo 
Yeah. The one yeah, I who can see that. constantly like uh, snapping his fingers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just uh, broadly speaking, you can really like it's. You can really see Fritz Lang's like German expressionist roots in yeah. a lot of the oh, shots yeah. in this movie. That's some really, really good, oh, God. fun I, camera work. I, just, I I had to like stop myself because like while we were watching it, I was like, I I really want to like maybe maybe I'll stay up tonight and like watch some some uh, old German expressionist films. I was like, no, we need to watch these movies first, idiot. Um, <laughs> it has some great shadows, just oh, some yeah. great shadows oh, in that so movie. Beautiful. I think um, what's interesting is I read a review for this, and they said it was well done, but also very dated. And it may be at the time when they wrote that review, <laughs> but I wrote, I saw Hangman Also Die the weekend of Charlottesville, mm. and it didn't feel dated in the slightest. <laughs> well, one of the things that, that sort of, uh, to build off of something Kara said earlier about all the different arcs and, and characterizations in the movie, is it 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 brings to mind all of the best parts of stage theater writing. Like the, because so many characters feel like people in a way that like, even in Casablanca, like there's a lot of characters that are just very arch characters and that's not an insult. Like there, you, you do that well and it works like uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But like hangman also die is an epic feeling movie. Like it has such a depth and like, uh, I just I was really struck by it. Well, you feel like there are things that are happening off screen, right? Yeah, that well, you're not missing out on. Like there are stories that are continuing somewhere else. What well, Brecht does a really good job of is two things: one, show you how a fascist government operates. Mm-hmm. Like he shows you like the the uh, scene with uh, Chaka and um, the Nazi detective whose mm. name I'm blinking on. Uh, discussing people they should round up. Yeah. And Chuck mm-hmm. is like, you should go with the 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 poet. It's like, oh, he only does children's literature. It's like, yeah, you want to get those. Yeah, Chaka, by the way, is the, the collaborator that we were yeah. talking about earlier. The Bill Brewer Chaka. <laughs> Um, what one of the one of the oh god, there's so many. He also like, says take the priests, everyone. Yeah, the priest. yeah. Well, and also every time I I think about this movie, there's so many. God, it's so good. Uh, if you watch only one of these, I, I would all, I would say right now, watch this one. Yes. Because uh, you've probably already seen Casablanca, and I don't dislike This Land is Mine, but watch watch Hangman Also Die. Right. Um, but uh, there's a moment where Chaka tries to foment some, like, distrust and uncertainty in the underground resistance movement. Right. <laughs> and fails so embarrassingly. <laughs> Well, but not in, not in like a cartoonish way. It's just he puts his lie out there, and everyone like who is a part of this community is like, I haven't heard anyone saying that. Where did you hear that? And it's it's like it's tense in the other direction. You almost feel bad for Chaka, almost? like how bad he steps in it, but you don't because he deserves it. Well, well it's also I'm so sorry. Like a big part of that moment is that that I think is like important as a lesson is their absolute denial and refusal to entertain his nonsense. Yeah. No, we're not going to think that we're not going to have that. We're not going to have this conversation mm-hmm. and it's, it's done now. And I think that's something that people forget. You don't actually have to sit down and touchy feely with every idiot who has a thought. <laughs> well, not only that, but there's a moment where Chaka is realizing the cards are being stacked against him. Yeah. And he's realizing that the Nazis, are in fact believing the lies. And he mm-hmm. goes, how can you be so unfair? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And he's like, you idiot, this is what fascists do. They don't <laughs> care about you. <laughs> they yeah, care it's... about the threat to them. Yeah, his... Uh, his... Oh, but so good. What you guys are talking about are really sort of like the Brechtian sort of touches because... Yeah. Um, do either one of you know Brechtian theater at all, or have read Berta Brecht uh, plays? A, like no. a little, but it's been quite a while. None at all. Okay, so most of Brecht is basically what you see here, in which it's not, he's not subverting anything, but mm. in a way he is. Like he's, The stuff he's saying is pretty much outright, but it's little things, like seeing Chaka and... I'm going to drive my drive me mad because I can't remember his name. When they're talking about yeah, make sure to round up the priests and the children's authors and all that, 
Um, the, they are the, in a room that's, I'm guessing that's a card library for a card catalog library for a library. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah, and so they're like, this is where they take over. They take over the place that would normally help you. So now they've taken over this for themselves. Yeah. Um, let's see. Chief. Ah, Gruber. Yeah. Alarish Gruber. But uh, stuff it, like that, it, or just the moment where the the working man is the one who suggests to the Nobel laureate poet the song that would become the protest anthem. Mm. And him and the father, uh, Dr. Svoboda, Svoboda, who's also an intelligence, to look at it and go, we don't need to touch this. This is fine as it is. Yeah. As basically saying the real poet is the everyman. And they are the ones who will come up with the words and the passion necessary to defeat them. Yeah, just the, those, yeah, there's a lot of those just very, very directly presented that, like, it's, it's a, it's a film that makes its arguments in all of what it uses like in the spaces where things happen as well as in how people interact with each other because like that that song rises up out of the the prison camp where they're where the the hostages are waiting to be shot right and so and so it's just this very like even in these moments there is there are things that can help everyone I think what's good about this that actually contrasts very strongly with um, This Land is Mine is there are very few, no speeches really. None. Of someone like standing up and like doing this sort of big old fashioned, um, you know, Atticus Finch speak to the audience proxy kind of thing. There is, but it's disguised as him giving her a message to give to Beta, his son. Yeah, yes. yeah, it, it does that, but it does that in that private moment in a way yeah, that, it, that it, it does it does well. it a lot better. Yeah. Oh, hands down. It's also shot by James Wong Howe, who is a Chinese uh, American and one of the oh, really? early POC cinematographers we ever had. He shot a lot of the early movies, but this is a yeah. He That's came over. Interesting. Yeah, so. That's pretty big, even for his own right. Yeah, <laughs> but and I, I believe the 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 actor who played that Gestapo was also like an escapee from, uh, like a Jewish escapee from Nazi Germany. Oh yeah, yeah. No, the guy who played uh, Gruber. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, was, he's was... he's also an expat of Germany. Like yeah, it's kind of great how many uh, like. People are, are, I don't know, bringing like coming out of those experiences and then contributing to this like movie that I will now be talking up to everyone. Uh, well, <laughs> well, there's also like a, a wonderful sort of sense of humor about a hangman also died. Hmm. It's like, very funny. It's very dark and very funny. Like hmm. the scene in the beginning where um, Savoboda is trying to, um, not Savoboda, the guy who killed Heinrich is trying to find a place to hide out. And he goes into yeah, that's the that's theater. the doctor. That's that's Svoboda. That's Svoboda. No, Svoboda's the father. No. Yes. No. <laughs> no. See, you're, this you're... is why it's better to no, use no, no, just yeah, someone right, role in this the story. Novaki yeah, is I was, father. I was going to say the you, you you threw me there for a second, but no, the the professor was the father. The doctor is the guy who did the shooting. Right. He runs doctor into a theater, Svoboda. and that's when the message that the <laughs> the guy's been shot, and one guy stands up who's a Nazi, and he's like, "Hey, hey." Who's cheering? Everyone, turn <laughs> on the lights. Everyone stand around so we can get out your names. And everyone just starts leaving. What <laughs> punch punch shouting, and this rando just shuts up like, hey, and he punches the guy out. Yeah, and he tries to go. It's like, what's your hurry, darling? <laughs> uh, it's real good. <laughs> 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 like, I don't think the scene adds anything. It's just nice to see a Nazi punched out. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. You know, sometimes my uh, replay on the Richard Spencer footage gets old, and I just need to see another <laughs> yeah. Nazi being punched in the face. Uh, it's also, Hangman Also Dies, also one of the rare movies from that time that showed you a mass grave. Yeah. Because yeah. the movie ends on a very dour note, and ends it with really that, that song playing, and ends with the end, question mark. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Well, and, and even then, the uh, the that last like coded message that we see, where even it's like they 
they knew perfectly well, like they, they discovered that like, well, that guy didn't really, isn't really the one, like he couldn't have been the one to do the shooting, but right. it doesn't matter at this point. Like we can't push it. <laughs> it's, it's because this interesting, the one thing that like, I can never do note. is admit to a mistake. Cause that yeah. would be a weakness. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a bleak note, but also like, I think an important one where it doesn't necessarily matter that they're completely fooled so much so much as it as it's important that they were stymied right. in that moment well, well it's yeah. it what's sad about it is sad and frightening is that yes the hangman someone shot the hangman and the person that did it got away with it and this woman and her family kind of managed to escape the eyes of the nazis but at the end the country is still occupied many of the hostages are still shot yeah like it's and the not, atrocities it's still continue yet. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, like, this is because <laughs> both Brecht and Lang right, are it, German expats, and they're like, "Yeah, no, this is not an easy." Yeah, because because I mean, it was is very much representing like this is what's still going on now. Right. I mean, I think that all of these movies have that in common of like yeah. it is not over; it right. is happening now. Right, and this is 1943. Hmm. Is when Hangman also die uh, comes out. Uh, and the assassination was in 1942. Yeah, so that's a quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's back in the day. Um, yeah, it came out on March 27th, 1943. And let's see. Let me check something real quick. No, it's all right. Uh... Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so that's a couple of years after um, Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Yeah, December seventh, nineteen forty-one. Yeah, yeah, forty-one. You know, you don't have Pearl Harbor Day memorized. <laughs> I do, and I don't. I always, sometimes, I like some uh, years get mixed up. Look, in my Kara, life. Kara, Jeremiah is old. Just give, let it. Let I, am, I am. I am older than both of you. <laughs> my <laughs> grandfather. My uh, grandfather is a Marine from the forties, so uh, he <laughs> celebrates. That's not the right word, but uh, memorializes <laughs> it every year. Okay. Mm. Um. So now we'll move on to This Land is Mine, mm. which is also uh, Cara, 1943. Um, so This Land is Mine is a neverwhere of a nation, again, where everyone mysteriously has American accents until they don't. Yeah, a neverwhere of a European nation, specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some all suggestions. The, all three of these movies do not take place in America. Hmm. Yes, none of them do. Although they talk about America a lot, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, I guess it's not interesting because it's an American movie. If people who <laughs> fled to America, I guess that's not actually as cool as I thought it was. Anyway, <laughs> uh, This Land is Mine features a never-were European country in which a somewhat schlubby teacher who is somewhat overindulged by his neurotic mother uh, has a crush on his fellow teacher... And the Nazis have occupied their nation. Her, the his fellow teacher, um, who he likes very much, has a brother who is kind of really too pally pally with the Nazis in a way that she hates because she is aggressively, aggressively anti-Nazi. But there's not much she can do about it because they're occupied. Um, there's also a great scene where the Allies bomb their city and they're hiding out underneath, talking about how it's so awesome when your allies bomb you. Uh, <laughs> But it has to be done. Like, they have an attitude like, this is the worst, but also it's what needs to happen. And through a series of events, it's revealed that the reason her brother is palling up to the Nazis is because he's a saboteur and he is screwing them up. Hmm. And through... Also, also her uh, fiancé is actually more of a collaborator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Her, her her brother is against the Nazis, but... And so, through a confluence of events, a couple things happen. Is One, that the... Uh, mother of the somewhat pathetic school teacher sells her brother out as well as her fiance and her brother dies and she is enraged and grieving and believes it's the school teacher's fault and the school teacher ends up her fiance kills himself when he realizes how it is to like he kills himself because the nazis are like oh we're going to continue to use you as a resource to destroy your homeland and there's nothing you can do about it because you're too much of a coward to stop us uh, the cowardly school teacher is arrested for this. Uh, he gives a big speech at court about how it's his last time to be honest. He did not kill the other guy, but the Nazis are ruining the world. And he is shortly afterwards executed after doing a big Bravo speech, at which point she proudly again 
proclaims her resistance to the Nazis. I, I This is a little, sorry, because it gets into a weird thing where the women in this story are the ones that are the most anti-Nazi from the sort of overindulgent well, of I mean, an adult man mother. Maureen O'Hara's character is the most. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's odd. It, 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 it's, you're annoyed that the story doesn't uh, acknowledge the fact that she was doing the right thing all along and instead follows the boring uh, everyman? Literally every man, every woman in this story has some level of distaste or irritation towards the Nazis in a way that the men do not. Right. It's super interesting. Something he did on purpose or just something by accident? Um, I don't know because the the thing is that if, if I were, if I were to guess, I would say it's most likely because the women were meant to facilitate the journey of the characters who matter. Uh, if I were to be a little like uh, bleakly uh, presumptive, but I, I think I, that's a little bit more likely than the the idea that like maybe women realize what's up earlier. <laughs> I, I think it's honestly an almost sort of um, because the the man the the brother the saboteur he is able to hide what he feels in order to further his goals. So I think that what they're saying is that like the dumb people, i.e., the women, can't conceal their contempt. But the smart people act against the Nazis, and the ones that talk themselves out of being intelligent work with them. So, I and again, like I feel like we uh, we both like this movie. It's just it has these particular sort of tropes that uh, rub us a, a little. Well, it raw. feels more like theater, to be honest. But like it feels a like a play. The problem we have with this land is mine is Jin Woo while one of the great directors is now one of the great Hollywood directors. Mm. And he, when he came over to America, he made a few Hollywood movies, but mm. he was not a raging... He didn't work within the system as well as Lang did. Yeah. Um, Rules I... of the Game, The Grand Illusion, which is one of the better anti-war movies ever made. Mm. His dad was Auguste Renoir. Oh, I remember something that yeah. I wanted to talk about in regards to this. I'm so sorry. So uh, there's a great part where they're like, it, this is at the very beginning, and it does come back later, where the Nazis go into the school and they go through like the the books the children are reading that's like Aristotle or something like that. Oh, God. Uh, the, the Republic and start to tell them to rip out pages that are essentially could be construed as being anti-fascist. Mm-hmm. And the school, so the school leader who is later executed for being both A, Jewish and B, smart. <laughs> uh, talks about like oh like you can't talk about you know I'm going to embarrass myself it's Plato's Republic right yeah you are correct you can't talk about Plato's Republic like Republic is a dangerous word to talk about Nazis and so they're talking about like Shakespeare and Plato and Aristotle but not Marx so like or, even uh, oh hell now I'm blanking on it uh, Voltaire no I was I was I was going to go with the guy who wrote um, All Quiet on the Western Front and a uh, remark that's his name yeah. And uh, so it's it's this is off point, and I'm sorry, Jeremiah. I don't know what you expected. No, no, I, I think you're on point. It's it's just very frustrating that Make- this film, that's specifically about an educated person's resistance to fascism, says go back hundreds or thousands of years. That there is nothing in like modern day philosophy worth looking at that's um, about anti-fascism there's a very Ma- real reason for that and it's because it's 1943 in about yeah. seven years you're gonna have the house on american activities yeah like if if i were to uh <laughs> i mean i, mean, I, I know I, I politically understand why this was done i understand why this was the choice made because frankly if you talk too much about freedom and the importance of america you will eventually get to the dark truth that still segregated america right. yeah and it, it, it's just very funny again well, it's, it's one when of someone's things. talking about like the personal dignity of man and the personal dignity of choice and how great America is for that, it's like, yeah, if you're not one of the 13% of people that probably couldn't make it into the theater that this was playing in. Yeah, right. I, well, I, I think part of what you're you're digging at here, and and like this is not a, a point to apologize for. This is, I think, one of the most important things to bring up about like kind of the out of these films, like the uh this land is mine is both the broadest and in many ways the most cowardly out of these movies because it does what people still mistakenly do today in regard to what people think resisting fascism is which is appealing to the lofty notion of 
the West. As though Nazis didn't come from the West. Well, also, uh, this movie is one of the few propaganda movies that suggests that capitalism will pop up fascism. Yes. That's, it does, yeah, that's true. Uh, it it is interesting the the swerves that this movie makes, and I think that's why. Like, even though I I like a lot of I lo- I love all like I, I like the performances. I I I I have I guess more patience for its kind of like other kind of theatricality. I think than than Kara does, but uh, like I, I like it a lot. But it does so many wild swerves, and the things that it like leaves out or the things that it chooses to leave in seem very odd. I think part of what it is is. It might just be that Jin Won, well, like I said, he's not good in the system. So him mm. trying to get his ideas across is not as successful as Lang is, who has Berto Brecht. Yeah. And the producer of This Land is Mine, Dudley Nichols, is also listed as a co-writer. Mm. And it might also be the fact that you have a Frenchman who has escaped Fiji France and is trying to be pro-socialist, and an American mm. producer who's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you want to say what? No. No. Well, it's also it's also deeply funny that like the next movie we're going to talk about came out the previous year and is real vicious about Vichy France. Right, but there, there's also a real interesting thing too with that one too. Uh, before mm. we get, don't want to get off track. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. But so uh, what you're talking about in terms of like the ending, and I agree, it's the sort of like when people think of old Hollywood, this is mm. sort of like the stereotypical, I think, scene that comes to mind, in which. There is a protracted sort of dramatic arrangement to where the character is safe to say this one thing in this one particular location. Uh, the Great Dictator. Right, The Great Dictator. That does it successfully, and to some degree, uh, Casablanca does too in terms of like creating mm. a dramatic event that's not realistic in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, Charles Lawton can give a speech. Charles like, Lawton I... is, I said, one of those actors of, the, of that generation. His wife yeah. is the Bride of Frankenstein. Which, by the way, oh. his mother is also in The Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> the lady who plays his mother, Una O'Hare. Oh, I... Una O'Hare. She's from, yeah. She's the okay. uh, bird lady. <laughs> I think I've seen her in a lot of things. Yeah, like she's she fantastic. Has, yeah, she's real familiar. Lalden, by the way, is directed in Night of the Hunter. The one huh? film we ever directed. He I trained, love that movie. Exactly. He helped... Uh, he's one of the few, uh, one of the many people who helped train Marilyn Monroe to become a ba- better actress. Oh. Like the man's influence is felt throughout most of the history of Hollywood. And again, if you watch Looney Tunes, you may recognize his face. Oh, absolutely. But, <laughs> right. but that scene, because what he is, he's in a courtroom, and essentially at the very beginning of the movie, there's a shot of a poster saying, essentially stating the premise that the one thing the Nazis have allowed is an independent court. So you can at least retain the notion of independence. Yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, yeah. That's like the first shot, isn't it? Right. Yeah. And so what he's doing shot. is using the court to give his propaganda speech, and out of mm. all three of these, it's probably the most blatant propaganda <laughs> in a way that almost hurts the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's propaganda to the point where it's noticeable. Well, okay. So <laughs> what you don't want to do. <laughs> Hangman Also Die is also noticeable, but it's noticeable in the same way that Riffenstahl's Triumph of the Will is. Yeah, it's... it's um, It doesn't stop dead. It makes the whole thing. Right. It's it's what it's made out of as right. opposed to this one, which, like... So, like what Kara was describing before, like, it builds up to its propaganda moment. Like, so many of the wheels that it's that it's turning and the things that go on are most... Like, a lot of them are, are largely about setting up the courtroom scene than they are about, like, g- allowing us to explore these interactions between real right. people. Well, the, the, so the difference between these two penultimate scenes is one of them is a man who, through, like, movie machinations, is speaking to a court in a very old Hollywood type of fake He's accent. literally speaking to the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Looking into the camera at some point. <laughs> As opposed to the other one, which is a man is about to be executed or believes he's about to be executed. Hmm. And he grabs his daughter and says, I'm going to tell you a letter. And when your little brother is a man, I want you to tell him what I have said here today. Hmm. This is of great import. And it's meant to be a political speech for both of his children. Right. Hmm. So like and what he does is he's pacing and telling her what he wants to say. And she's softly repeating it. So she remembers it. Yeah, like, and like she's much... in the center frame. Like it's, it's really yeah. interesting how it's put together. And then yeah. when he leaves, 
who should appear but Herr Gruber? <laughs> Out of nowhere. Just, uh, God. I, All right, yeah. but back to this land is mine. Mm. Um, mm. For me, the moment that I, I really love in this land is mine is when Joy Saunders, who plays the fiancé, who is the actual collaborator, yeah, mm-hmm. goes to warn the brother that the Germans know are on to him. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, why? <laughs> the brother's like, why do you look so, like, because he asked, why am I feeling this way? It's like, I'm fine, but you look scared. Perhaps you're looking at yourself. It's the realization of all this time that he's actually been the coward. And yeah. as Kara says in the uh, top, like, he kills himself because he cannot live with the fact that he's actually the enemy. Yeah. Even though him and the mayor have made, said time and time again, we have to just keep going, we'll make a profit, this is how we stay independent. Yeah. Well, it's also, like, it has this appeal towards legality over and over again, like, oh, it's a saboteur, you just have to follow the rules, we just have to follow the rules and cooperate. It's morally wrong to derail trains. You Dude, caused everyone... Don't throw bombs at the mayor. Don't punch <laughs> Nazis. Which is, which like, is it, the thing that, like, by the end, it's basically saying that not only is sabotage just, it is a moral imperative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, like, I, I, when I said earlier that it, this movie is, in a, in a weird way, kind of cowardly at points, I, I don't mean completely. Right. Like, it's, the, the thing that I mean by that is in its broadness is right. what I think waters it down. Like, it still has its moments of, like, no, you should blow up Nazi shit. Like, you should derail their food trains. Understand. You should do whatever you can. <laughs> this is the Hayes Code Hollywood, and we've discussed two movies one yeah. that said, blow shit up? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and the other one said, blow shit up? Yeah. Also, kill the bastards. <laughs> yeah. Also, kill a motherfucker and set up a guy who uh, is right. working with <laughs> And say nothing. Also <laughs> yeah, like, un- and also, snitches don't just get stitches. They get set up to be executed by the people they're helping. <laughs> and no one feels bad about lie, lie to the Nazis. Um, <laughs> and so and this is really also, and this is why I think also, those set in different countries. Yeah. Because well, maybe. remember when he talked about the Hayes Code, <laughs> one of the reasons for the Hayes Code was to prevent insurrection, the bonus riots and stuff like that. Yeah. And so by doing this, they were able to assuage Breen and the Hayes Code committee like, oh, we're not saying they do that here in America. Right. Saying, Our no, no. It's <laughs> over there. Right. Which leads us to the most famous and infamous of the three, Casablanca. Mm. Can I interrupt for one quick moment? Okay. To say one of my favorite things. Uh, Emmeline Pankhurst, who is one of the greatest suffragists that has ever walked this earth, um, has uh, I incite this meeting to rebellion. For those of you who can go to the, like, the sacred cities of Hall, do so. For those of you who can break windows, break them. Right. And I always think of that in the context of this. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever works. Sorry, just favorite passage. Uh, Casablanca, out of the three, you may not know the name Michael Cotis, who directed Casablanca, Mm. but you've seen a Michael Cotis movie more than likely. Yeah, probably Casablanca. Hmm? (laughs) Yeah, probably Casablanca. Casablanca? I I wasn't going to be the one that said it. White Christmas is another one that he did. Hmm which is also um, a propaganda movie, but in a different way. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, Michael Curtis made over... So like, Casablanca was like his 93rd film. God. What? Like he, much like everyone else, much like Lang and much like a Renoir, Curtis had been working even in the silent era. Yeah, so, like he... Oh, wow. I Sorry, I, I just was... Well, was flipping through IMDb and like his first directed movie was in 1912. Yeah. Oh. Oh, God, his last one was in 1967. Yeah, no. <laughs> was a studio guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, he did really well in the studio. And now what a lot of people may or may not know is Casablanca is sort of, at the time, like, really troubled production in the sense that not mm. every uh, none of the actors knew what move they were making from day to day. <laughs> it has, like, seven writers. It's listed with three, but has like the stories of like four or five other people also working on it at the time. Mm. Um, Bogart wasn't comfortable comfortable with Bergman because she was taller than he was, so he was feeling <laughs> self conscious. 
Uh, I'm the sorry that was being vague on who she ended up with. So Bergman <laughs> didn't really know how to act with either one of them. Hmm. Um, Honestly, I, I'm glad. I, I mean, obviously, they, we we got the movie we ended up with, but it's one of those things where it's like I like the fact that, like, I I can see that as maybe fueling like the fact that she really didn't seem to be favoring one of them or the other. Well, yeah, she like, asked like, which one do I favor? And it goes, just go down the middle. It's like I can't. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you have to pick one? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. But at monogamy the, is a fiction. Right. Sorry. Of the three. It is the one with the most well-known cast. Because, yeah. yes, Charles Law and Marina O'Hare are big names. And, yes, Fritz Lang is a big name. But to the average American at that time, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Pauline Reed, Henry... Claude Rains? Claude Rains. Are you kidding me? Sidney Greenstreet <laughs> and Peter Law were part of a troupe. Not an actual troupe, but them, those yeah. two, and Bogart did a ton of movies together. Yeah. Um... So there was enough name recognition for Casablanca, and it is yeah. a movie that is so great you forget how great it is until you watch it. Yeah, because uh, like that 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 sort of troupe of actors you're talking about, like two years before, that was basically the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this is not these are these are not like screwing around actors. <laughs> uh, uh, the movie is also much like um, we've mentioned before. This one is actually based on a play. The other two are not. Mm. So yeah, this one it, it, has the most theatrical roots outside of Brecht for Hangman mm. Also Die. And yet this one is probably the most cinematic. Yeah. Like, it, it is. this is very much an adapted work. Yeah. Uh, it, it does not... Like, if I hadn't read that it was based on a play, I would never have guessed that. Oh, would, I know? would... No. Absolutely not have guessed. Because uh, even then, they're looking at it, though, you realize, oh, yeah, it only has, like, three locations. Yeah, it's, but it feels it's like very... it has seventy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, when I think about like thinking about it now, it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, I, yeah, I can think of several ways like you could stage because like the action up in Rick's like Rick's office or or in uh, in the street or in the bar, like yeah, no, I, I see how this could play out. But it's uh, oh, it's it's done so well, and even though it has all these writers, it feels as if one voice. Yeah, it feels yes. very cohesive. Um, I would say, but it, it, both it and uh, Hangman also die feel feel intensely cohesive. That is one of the things, like, like I said before, like this land is mine. Again, I I enjoyed watching it. I uh, my it, it suffers because it's being compared to two films that I think are just absolutely like capital G great, but um, <laughs> but it, it's it's just a little too wheel spinning and a little too unfocused. The, as okay, there's to, a reason why when War did not last long in Hollywood. <laughs> right, 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 and I mean, yeah, his his roots are are from somewhere else, and I'm I'm not, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, but like, because the... again, at least Germany had like a film studio system that mm. Lang was used to, whereas yeah. Renoir was very much used to doing whatever the heck he wanted. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and then like you know, you get to Casablanca, and it's like this feels so solid. It's hard to imagine it not like just. I don't know, just being fully formed, just springing fully formed out of the concept of film. There's, okay. uh, so there's a... you want to describe the plot of Casablanca real quick? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so this is... We're in... Are we in... We're Morocco? in Casablanca. Morocco. I'm like, we're in Morocco, right? Yeah. So we're in Morocco. So essentially, Morocco is a gateway where you can get out of Europe and get to Morocco, but you can't get out of Morocco without a passport and everyone wants to go to America. So there's this huge wave of refugees desperate to get away from Germany. Uh, f- uh, and a lot of them are coming out of various areas of Europe, but they're also coming from France because France has been taken over by the Nazis. One of the sort of more serene places in this honestly scummy criminal haven is Bricks. Rick, who has his bar, and Rick is an American who seems somewhat gruff and runs a bar and he doesn't want any trouble. And this is a place that is run by the the guy in charge, Louis. He's French, right? Yeah, because yeah. uh, Morocco, is... Morocco would be essentially like a French protectorate or something. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of those weird colonies. So essentially, like a... Yeah. Morocco is a free French colony. So yeah, even though France has fallen to the Germans, Morocco is French, but it has not fallen yet. Mm. But the Germans are coming. And so there's this, this where the sort of guy who's in charge of Morocco as like the well, French Casablanca government, anyway. Casablanca anyway, 
uh, he can't of this area. He cannot openly resist the Nazis because they are coming and they are going to wreck things. But they cannot openly make a move without opening a front on a war that they are not ready for yet. So they have all of the power, but he has just enough that if he's smart and plays his cards right, he can keep them slightly at bay. Which he largely uses to to get women. To get what he wants, yes. Well, while also at the same um, time, it's important to note that even uh, Louis doesn't like the Nazis. Yeah. No, no one likes the Nazis. Hates- and Luis is a womanizing scumbag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah he's, like, I, it's, it's great. So, Rick has a terrible past of some kind. It's very emotional. Um, <laughs> a man and uh, two things, two threads begin to pull. One, a very, very famous, uh, who has escaped from concentration camps several times, uh, insurrectionist, rebe- rebel, whatever you want to call him, is on his way to Morocco to try and get out to America. And the Nazis have arrived to say, this will not happen. He will not be allowed to leave. He will live and die in Casablanca. This he is will Victor never Lazlo, go. Who is also a member of the Czech resistance. What, what? Yep. <laughs> and then another thread starts to be pulled on, which is that somebody has gotten a passport, two actually, that can never be questioned they can never be checked. Uh, let, letters of transit. Letters of transit. Sorry. <laughs> letters of transit that were signed by some high-ranking Nazi and therefore without question. No, actually, Rick... by Charles de Gaulle. Yeah. Finch, which we'll get to in a sec. Sorry, I, I'm saying a little bit backwards. Anyway, so there are these letters of transit. That will get. They are a magic key, and they are a MacGuffin. They are the key to get out of Casablanca. They will take you wherever you need to go, basically. And there are two, and Rick ends up with them in his possession, but he's not going to do anything about it because he doesn't like trouble. And it turns out that Laszlo has a wife, and Rick's wife is the woman. You mean uh, Laszlo's wife is the woman that broke Rick's heart because when she thought that her husband was dead, she had a short and intensely passionate affair with Rick and left him with his hat in hands and did not tell him why she did not come back when she found out her husband was alive. So Rick has the ability to save the woman he loves and her husband, but he would A, have to get involved, which he doesn't do, and B, he would have to talk to her nicely, which he definitely doesn't want to do, and C, he would have to save her husband, which is not something he wants to do either. So the entire thing turns on what will Rick do when you have the power to do anything, but there are three people that need to get out and there are only enough passports for two. How does this play out? The Nazis are closing in. The only places he can appeal to for help are slowly weakening against them. And where do you go? And so the plot essentially turns on the point of what will Rick do? I will say I have seen Casablanca more times than I've seen the other two. Mm-hmm. And I love Casablanca, and I've always, and even Ebert said this, not been a fan of Victor Laszlo, who is the Czech <laughs> insurrectionist. Yeah, he's the most of a cipher out of everyone in the movie. Except he actually, when I watched it this time, I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, I get it now." What I I don't understand what she sees in him or what he sees in her but there are a couple points where victor laszlo is sort of so he's the other man he's the woman that the character that we like who is kind of like that kind of you know rogue with a heart of gold i don't care about anyone except i do like american humphrey bogart character Hmm. and so he's laszlo supposed to be a tool but two things happen is first of all you find out that he has had multiple times opportunities to leave his wife behind and he has not he will not go without her even at risk of his own life because he's in love with her and he doesn't tell he tells her to leave without him if she can Mm. and she refuses that's a and b is that it kind of becomes very clear that she and rick have a past he talks to her a little bit about it like in cypher and then at a certain point he talks to rick about like what happened and he's basically he doesn't say it in as many words, but he's like, I know something happened between you and my wife, but that was then and this is now, and I really don't care, and this is war, and who cares? Like, he brings it up twice. Right. He doesn't care. And I, I think he means it. Yeah, well, also, here's... Uh, I, I, I agree with uh, Jeremiah's take also. Like, I liked Laszlo a lot better this time, and I think part of it is that I'm actually curious as to if this would have affected things for you, because Kara and I watched the other two movies together. But we watched Casablanca separately because we had different schedules. And she watched it before watching the others. And I watched it after. Which means that I watched Casablanca right after I had watched Hangman Also Die. (laughs) Which basically means that a story about Czech resistance movements led immediately into Casablanca for me. (laughs) 
Well, and so I, I, re- I, I also thought about Laszlo a lot more differently. I think uh, for me, I, I usually do. What it was is the uh, infamous scene where the Germans go into Vic's cafe and start up uh, with the the German song, and Laszlo yeah. storms in to start up the French anthem. Yeah. He's yes. the guy who does it in front of the faces. Everyone else is sitting around, wringing their hands. Laszlo stands up and goes, no. <laughs> He's the one who's escaped, as Kara said, a concentration camp multiple times. Like, he is the biggest F you to every <laughs> and all, And I don't yeah, know why it took me right up to the bandstand. Maybe it's the current political climate. I don't know. But I was like, oh, I get it. You're the dude. You're, you are an, an, a leader. In a sense that you, you're the guy who's like, yeah, I'm untouchable and I know it. And I use it to, my, like, to help the movement, to help the cause. Yeah, he's uh, he's Superman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is interesting because all of the, the characters that are actually like at the center of the action of the plot are these much more like, you know, well-drawn, nuanced people who are at different points in their lives and are, are put, have all these pressures around them that we, we as viewers find very understandable. And this other guy just marches in who is like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> And that I, I like there is a kind of gratingness to that that is interesting. There's there's a great so when you were talking about this one, uh Penguin also die and Casablanca have great moments of characterization of like planting and payoff and planting and payoff to me. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment that sort of makes everybody into a good person where Louis so Louis is the sort of French leader of the area. He's like in right. in the military or the police or something. Right, and he's and he's sent a woman to Rick. And he's because uh and the woman comes to Rick and says, Is Louis sincere? Will he do what he says he will do? And Rick says, For the most part, why do you ask? And the woman basically says, He said that he would have sex if I had sex with him, he would help me and my husband get out, and I don't want to have sex with him and let him do that to me unless I know he's sincere. And he said that you would tell me the truth. But I'm afraid that my husband will leave me if I do this. And Rick is like, do whatever you want and like storms and asks her where her husband is. And she's like, he's playing your craps tables and losing because he's trying to get enough money to buy it. So I don't have to sleep with Louie. And Rick just walks up to his craps table guy, um, looks at the ta- looks at the guy. The guy looks at him. He goes over to the uh, the husband and says, bet on this, bet on that, bet on that. Get up and walk yeah, it's, out. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's it's great because everyone in his bar knows what he's doing and are so pleased with him. And they're like so pleased. They're like, thank you, Rick. Like, this is the right thing to do. I'm glad that you did it. And Rick is like, I didn't do anything. I have no idea what you're talking about. But then Louis comes in and is like, ah, I knew that you were a soft touch. And it indicates like he sent the girl to Rick to do that, which is something that I like because it indicates that maybe Louis isn't a scummy rapist after all. But it was a crummy thing to do, but he's trying to – you can't be a candy ass in this world. You can't be gentle. You can't be soft. You can't let a sob story get to your heart. You have to be nasty. But if you play your cards right, you can be merciful. Well, part of what Louis even says to him, it's like, I've, I've looked at your past. And it's like, you used to be a sentimentalist. It's like, no, I didn't. It's like, you fought on this side and this side. It's like, the side yeah, it's like he was me. in the, like, the, the winning Civil side War on better. <laughs> yeah like the the what we yeah we find out that rick's like disillusionment is he's very clearly someone who has has been part of different like rebel movements uh across europe ever since leaving america and uh i don't know it's 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 you know a story about in in a lot of ways overcoming disillusionment well and that's the thing like the other two movies are propaganda about sudden actions you take Mm. and casablanca isn't telling you to do any one thing it's Millie saying, get off your ass and get in the fight. Yeah. And Casablanca, out of the three, is the only one to come out just a few months after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a certain like level Cause of... Because it was, it, was it was real early in 42, wasn't it? Yeah. It was yeah. like uh, it was released in November 26, 1942. Oh, November. Okay, so it was... It was uh... Right. Well, it, was, it was like Time a year Time moves little... differently in the past. Yeah. The production... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's like the message isn't to a sudden like commitment. It's the idea of doing something, anything at all. And mm. this notion of 
cynicism being the way to go. It's like, no, you can't do that. You, mm. c- you have to do something. And I think that's an easier message for an audience to swallow. Yeah, I could see that. Um, uh, yeah, because, well, I'm also the other, like, the... Casablanca is sort of drawn like it's it's obviously named after a specific place but like thematically it also is very much just like an in-between place on the brink of something right and it, like it, it it symbolically works very well for like where America was like at that time well yeah again it because of this own sort of like it's specific but as you said it makes Morocco seem like an in-between place yeah because you don't really know much about Casablanca. You know enough about Casablanca, <laughs> but you don't know a lot. Whereas with um, This Land is Mine, we know a lot about how that city works. We meet the mayor, we meet uh, the governor and the right occupation. Hangman also yeah. died, we know a lot about what happens in that town of Czechoslovakia, because we meet everyone mm. in there. Casablanca, we only really meet like five people. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a very tightly... Uh, uh, tight group of uh, and so that makes it easier to i guess comprehend the sort of narrative metaphor and this is an in-between place and this is Mm. where you have to make a decision and take a stand yeah and also Uh, because it's the most american it's the one that also tells you not what to do yeah well it's it's also a movie that starts like uh from if if we sort of agree that like rick is our our sort of central uh person that we're following like it starts at a standstill like we're we're, all of the earth like the early minutes of the movie are very much like well rick doesn't drink with customers rick doesn't get involved rick doesn't whatever and it's it's all very much setting up a static place like an unmoving place where we start from whereas the other movies start with things already in motion the nazis have taken over they are taking things out of our books or the assassination is just taking place and the assassin is on the run so those are very like these are things that are in motion, whereas as Rick, uh, Rick uh, is someone who, is, like, we meet him not moving, right. and then we and move forward. The legend of Rick is how he never changes. Yeah. This is or 100% the, what you see, what you get. Yeah, like, the, the Rick that people in Casablanca knows is that, and then, right. like, the, the past and the present start to, like, interfere with the, the, the him that he's known as now, and that, that sort of moves he- us away from there. Narratively speaking, I don't really care about what happened in This Land is My Land before this moment. There are very few things I'm interested in that happened before the movie begins and Hangman also die. Mm -hmm. But I really, really want to know how Rick built his bar. (laughs) <laughs> and how this stuff i don't i don't want to know it in the name like of you, god you please. don't want like a you don't want a star wars prequel movie about it but yeah like please a, don't a, make a prequel to casablanca oh my god as a as a, as a, a put that curse in the it, so move on. oh god no as a, uh, as a description of a world feeling more fleshed out and characters feeling like they have a real past you mean. yeah but yeah. there's also if, if if you say to me kara this is a scummy place, a dark place where people transition through and there's no hope, light or innocence. But today, today I tell you a story of this place. I'm like, oh my God, tell me. <laughs> like that is, that is my uh, night side sanctuary. Uh, just so many book series I have that are predicated on like the dark city with the one person who's kind right. of a jerk, but kind of a hero. Like, <laughs> oh my God, this is my favorite story. Uh, yeah, it, it, like, it, it's iconic for a reason. <laughs> yeah. well, I will also say that Casablanca is one of those movies also. I think also uh, Hangman Also Die falls into this. The more mm. you watch it, the more you watch Hangman Also Die, it gets good. But the more you watch Casablanca, the better it becomes. Because like, mm. I love it more every time I see it. And I've seen it once in the big, like in an actual theater and over at least Ooh, a nice. dozen times on like everywhere else. But like you start to notice little things like when she, uh, Ing- when she comes in, Ingrid Bergman character comes in they play, and se- tell Sam play the song. You know the mm. song. He, you see Sam look around, going, "Oh God, is Rick here?" No, okay. <laughs> and then yeah. Rick, yeah, yeah. <laughs> later that night, Rick's like, "You want to play it again?" No, I don't. I know how you get. It's like, just do it. Oh God, play it. <laughs> like you can see how over all this bullshit that Sam is. Yeah, it's, like Sam is very uh, like. 
he gets so little screen time, but he does so much with it. Well, you you know, Louis Armstrong. Yeah, you know (laughs) that there's a moment where Sam played that song over and over and over again to a very nasty (laughs) drunk Rick who would like pass out, get to the end of it, wake up and scream off key, you know a lyric to it and then like urinate slightly and pass out again like he's had some moments these are the these are the things that pop into Kara's head alright so we gotta wrap this up uh, I feel very hot the conversation with Casablanca a passed right. out Vic peeing in his pants <laughs> the way it's implied alright so out of the three which one do you think is the most successful in getting its message across I I will stay I'm gonna go with Hangman also I'm gonna also die, die. Yeah, I, I agree as well, but I and I think Hangman also die and Casablanca maybe tie in mm. terms of Casablanca does it without you realizing it to some degree mm. because yeah. there are a lot of people who don't even like kind of like Sicario too in a sense that not in a good way but like yeah. people don't recognize the, well, the it's also the way that like through repetition it has been absorbed into the what people think of as neutral popular culture exactly that's yeah. also a fair point um, whereas. Hangman Also Die, as we said, is aware of what it's doing. It's not shy about it, and yet there's still nuance to what it does. And in a way that, like, once you understand, it's like, oh, I know, and it knows, okay, we can do this. It's sort of like a tactical yeah, agreement a, between you and the piece. Like, it's also, like, I, I, it's also such a tense and, like, it's a long movie and it's a tense movie, but at no point was I like, oh, I need to step away from, like, it's engrossing. Right. Uh, and, yeah, just, oof. Alright, so that's all the time we have now. We'll do another episode on fascism, anti-fascism, and propaganda. Uh, and, a, and not next month, but the month after that, which would be, what, April? That would be the uh, yes. yes. April. <laughs> awesome. We know how months work. Um, that's all the time we have for now. Say goodbye, guys. Bye, guys. No pass around. Okay.